Father, thank you, Lord, right now for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness, and we thank you, Lord, uh, for your word to uh, to uh, give us life and give us hope in the future. We thank you, Father, for those who come to know you today, give their life to you, and we just thank you, Holy Spirit, for your good word and encouragement and your anointing on this word today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Cool. Today we're going to be talking about taking responsibility. We have a world nowadays, uh, we, we briefly touched on this yesterday during our discussion, so I just really felt like I was supposed to <coughs> expound on it today, man. I've got a good word for you. So, um, taking responsibility. We have a huge problem in the world today. The world does not want to take responsibility. They want to avoid responsibility. They always want to pass the buck. They always want to point the finger, you know. Um, they want to blame everyone else except themselves for the situation that they're in. Well, my mama did this, or my daddy did this, or somebody else did this to me, or my girlfriend broke up with me, and, you know, well, where there's a lot of reasons that we gave ourselves for why we went to sin, the truth is we just like to be comfortable. Amen. You know? My mom would, uh, my dad would go off for, for, uh, for what do you call it? some sort of deployment type thing for, for a month or two when he was in the Navy. And my mom would come to me one day, I know you're acting up just because your daddy's gone. I'm thinking, you're going to let, like in my brain, I'm thinking, no, I'm acting up because I can get away with it. <laughs> right? Um, and it's not because dad's not here. I just want to do the wrong thing. You know, I, I and I knew that because my parents had taught me right. They told me, you know, when you sin, you do it because you want to do it, not because anybody else. You take responsibility. So, I think my mom was um, just trying to deal with that because, and maybe that's the truth. Maybe because my dad was the hard hand and would hold me accountable, right? That maybe that makes more sense as a child, right? But the truth is, I just wanted to sin, you know? Um, and I didn't want to do what I wanted, what somebody else wanted me to do. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so we're taking responsibility. Um, we talked about the difference between playing the victim and being uh, the victor. Okay. Inside this, people uh, they fall into saying, "I want I'm the victim." All right, and the reason why they fall into being a victim is because they want to avoid responsibility. When the truth is, they're doing the offending. A lot of times, they're causing a lot of pain. They're dishing out just as much pain as they've received. Okay, so at that point, now they're no longer just a victim. Now they are an offender. You see what I'm saying? But they don't want to say that they're an offender. They want to blame all the offenses that they received. For why they're offending, you know? I'm doing drugs because I was molested. You know what I'm saying? Well, listen, as long as you are underneath that problem, you'll always stay a victim. And you'll never be a winner. Okay? There's got to be a point where you say, scrap me being a victim. It doesn't matter that they did that to me. That's not why I'm doing it. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to face this because we need to know why we went there. Okay? Give me, get, hear, hear me on this one. If you don't know that you are a victim, then you don't know that you need help. Mm -hmm. Okay? But if we stay in victim mentality, then we never become a victor. Okay? There's got to be a point where we say, no one else is responsible for my life except me. Does that make sense? If I, if, does it make sense? Let me, let me just, let me rephrase this. Because <clears throat> we live in a society that wants to coddle every single person. But well, you had a low self-esteem. I'm just going to tell you right now, that's probably the most crippling thing that we have in our society, talking about self-esteem. 
Your opinion about you doesn't matter. We talk about that a lot here. Your opinion about you does not matter. God's opinion about you is the only one that matters, and you just need to agree with it. Does that make sense? Amen. If you... Mm, it's good. Okay, so what happens is... Does that make sense? <laughs> you know, what we do is we, we have, we're living in the world of iPhone. You know? This little I right here. Everything is I. My. My space. We've literally become our own God. You know what I'm saying? We live, we live in Facebook. My own narcissism is going out the roof. You know what I'm saying? Narcissism. We're talking about people, the love of self. Mm -hmm. Listen, dude. If you keep exalting yourself, you will be humbled. And it's not going to be pretty. You got to stop exalting self. Now, I'm telling you right now, I'm just going to tell you this. I've got several teachings on this, but right here, this, this is the answer to life. Humility is the answer to life. Okay? Knowing that I was a victim and that these emotions that I had caused me to make bad decisions, okay? My emotions caused me to, led me to bad decisions. The problem was I submitted myself to these emotions and let them control me. Does that make sense? That is being a victim. We need to know this. If we don't know this, we don't know to go to Jesus. Because here's the thing. You are... Being oppressed. The scripture talks about how Jesus um, comes to set free those who've been oppressed. Okay? So if you don't see yourself as being oppressed, then you won't know that you need Jesus. But once you're in Jesus, now you're a conqueror. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference. All right? So I was being oppressed by the devil. I was a slave. And we're going to talk about that also in some of our scripture reading when we get to that. Um, it may be a little while because I'm getting on a roll here. But we were a slave. We need to know that. Okay? Otherwise, we won't know who to go to to become out of that bondage. Okay? Jesus came to save us from bondage. But once we've been saved from bondage, whew, now we've been saved from bondage, then we realize, hey, I was the one putting people into bondage. I was the one contributing. When you realize this, you know what you realize? You realize that you're a powerful person. Amen. Alright? If you're here, you're not powerful. If you realize I'm the one who did the wrong and I actually hurt people, then it shows you that you that your life matters. You see? If you're a victim, your life doesn't matter. If you're an offender, I know this sounds really weird. You know, like I'm not like everybody everybody needs to recognize you're an offender, right? If you like that sounds so bad, but it's the truth though. If you don't recognize that you did the wrong and that you had the power to make a choice, if you don't realize your responsibility, then you won't realize how powerful you really are. If you don't realize how powerful you really are, you won't see a need to change. You won't have a drive to change. Once I realize, wow, I did the wrong, I did the offending, then I need to repent, let God save me from myself. See, I need to be, watch this. The Israelites, they had a problem. The Egyptians. Right? Well, <clears throat> that wasn't the only problem they had. They had their selves. Check this out. God freed them from the Egyptians. What caused them to stay in bondage in the wilderness, though? Their selves. If you don't know the story, the Israelites were uh, in Egypt, in bondage, for a couple hundred years. It's not 400 years. I'm just going to say that. 
Um, if you read your scriptures and actually do the math, it does not add up to 400 years. If you're really going to be a good biblical scholar, you need to do some math. We don't have time to go through it right now. But the 400 years, according to the New Testament, is actually, um, in Romans, it says that 400 years prior to the law, Abraham received the promise. Okay, So they were actually sojourners in a land not their own for 400 years. They were not slaves for the whole 400 years. They were just sojourners for that 400 years. So just do a little bit extra study if you have questions about that. Um, we can go through it later. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, main point is, for probably a max of about um, one or two generations, one and a half generations, because uh, they were actually slaves in Egypt. <clears throat> All right? But when they got out, they got into more bondage, but the, the, but the enemy was gone. The enemy was gone. The one that was oppressing them was out of the picture. How many of the things that were you a victim of, that that guy's not even in the picture anymore? And now it's just self-inflicted. See? Self-inflicted. We got the Egyptians out. Now they're in the wilderness grumbling and complaining about, well, we were slaves before. God rescued us, but we don't care. We still hate the fact that we're having to eat manna. You know? They don't like the suffering that they're having to go through to get to their promised land. Okay? I'm telling you. There's a wilderness. Everybody has to go through their wilderness. Before they get promoted. Before they receive. Yeah, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. But that was self-inflicted. They actually would have only been in there for about three days. It was a, they actually traveled all the way to the land of Canaan, spied out the land. They went into the land, spied the land out, came back and gave a report that was evil according to the Lord. And they said, hey, look, I know God, basically is what they said. I know God said we could take the land. And, you know, God's the one who just saved us from Egypt, the ten plagues, part of the Red Sea. But we don't believe him. Basically, we're not going to go in because the giants are there. They're too big for us and they're too mighty and they're fortified cities. We can't win. Idiots! That's, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. I just murdered in my heart. <laughs> you know? Come on. You've been. You just watched God part the Red Sea. I mean, golly, and destroy an entire Egyptian army, and you didn't even lift a finger. You didn't even pull out a sword. You didn't even fight. You didn't even start a prayer group. <laughs> <laughs> golly. You know? He said. What are, you, what are you grumbling and complaining about? Go over here to Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. Verse, uh, verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you done the, what, what have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. How many times has somebody tried to get you up out of your bad problems and you're like, just leave me alone. Amen. Leave me right here in my mess. I told you, just leave me there. Why'd you make me come to the barracks? <laughs> <laughs> I was happy in my sin. No, you weren't really, but... He just forgot already because now you're a person who wants instant gratification. Mm -hmm. Woo! You know? 
You're not willing to do what what's necessary to get free, you know? Check this out. What have you done to us and bring us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But they missed the whole point. See, God called them. He said, you're my people. I want you to come out to the wilderness and worship me. Mm. They missed it. See, it's not about not going to hell. It's about falling in love with the King of Kings. Amen. This is everlasting life, to know me. Scripture says. What is that scripture verse? Do you, do you know? <clears throat> I think it's in John. This is eternal life that they may know the Father. It's not about not going to hell, man. I mean, that's part of it, but it's not all of it. It's in the full gospel. Full gospel is to know Christ, to know God, to know the Father. That's what he wants. He wants intimacy. He wants to restore what was lost in the garden. See, the whole point of the, of the of, check this out. The whole point of all of the Levitical law, you got this whole book back here. The, the, the book of Leviticus and Exodus and Numbers, Deuteronomy, all that stuff. All that was designed so that God would have an opportunity to dwell in their midst. God wanted to be with his people. But because of sin, he couldn't. You know? There was a separation that was happening. So he was trying to create a, a system that would cheat all this sin so he could be with them. He wanted to be with them so bad. And they missed it. Didn't we tell you to let us serve the Egyptians? No. God has called you to serve him. There is no other option. You know? You find it? Yeah, John 17, 3. Can you read it? And this is eternal life. That they, that they know you, the only one, or the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Yeah. Man, that's eternal life, man. To know God. We're talking about the word know. This is the same know that Adam knew Eve. And bore a son. I'm talking about an intimate relationship with God. God doesn't just desire to slave with us. You know what I'm saying? He wants us to be sons. Okay? Well, sons submit to their father. You know what I mean? There is that. And we serve. You know, I always say that. We're slaves to my dad, man. I work for my dad. I don't get paid. You know? But you know what? I was a son. And the scripture says um, that after the Sonship is over. After It says during the sun time, the heir, check this out. Where's that at? I think that's in Romans. Let's go over here, Romans. Hold your finger in Exodus chapter 14 and go over to Romans. Oh, Galatians chapter 4. Now, I mean that the heir, as long as he is the child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything. Check that out. You know that you're being, you're being held... You're the, you, as a son, you're the owner of everything, but while you're still on this earth, you're still a slave. Check this out. When we get restored completely with Jesus, that's the moment that we become, we inherit what was given to us. And we are given according to our, according to us taking responsibility. If you avoid responsibility, you don't get nothing. If you take responsibility and you are faithful with the little, the scripture says, he's been faithful with the little, I'll give him much. And last night we actually learned, and I've taught about this. You are not destined for heaven. Heaven is destined for earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, even in Revelation, it talks about how Jerusalem came out of heaven and came back to earth. His bride. Okay? So we're actually destined for the new earth. And so in his new kingdom, according to what you've been responsible with, if you've been faithful with a little, he'll give you much. Okay? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is when you inherit 
But right now you're a slave. See? Right now you're a son, the owner of everything, according to Galatians chapter 4. The owner of everything. You are co-heirs with Christ. But in the new heaven and new earth, and even in now, there's even levels where you get promoted even now. Okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say it's only for then. My point is this. That there's times of discipline where we submit to God in certain things until he promotes us. Boom. And there's multiple levels of promotion. Okay? Keeps going and going. All right? We have to be faithful to little. Check this out. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of the son, of his son, into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. You see? Different levels of promotion. I wouldn't say, see, there's a different level of promotion. I'm actually a son now. Scripture says, I'm seated with God in heavenly places right now. The kingdom of God is right now. Okay? But then there's also levels where we, everybody submits to somebody. You see what I'm saying? Everybody, everybody is growing in different levels of promotion. Does that make sense? Okay? Different levels of authority. So, it just keeps on going. It's a never-ending gift. But, Alright, check this out. So we'll go back over here next to chapter 14. <clears throat> but you can never be promoted unless you take responsibility. See, everybody thinks, ah, oh, man, I have all this work to do. I mean, if I could become the boss, I wouldn't have to do anything. Yeah. That's a lie, you know? The more, the, the higher you go, the more responsibility you have. So if you're not responsible with the little you have, you will never be prepared for the, for the position that's higher, you know? You know what I'm saying? Dude, I'm telling you. People who, you don't want to know people who fail? People who want to go into business, in their own business, so they'll build their own boss. They fail. You know why? Customers customer's the boss. See, the people going to business to own their own business so they can be their own boss, they fail because they're not willing to do the work. See? That's why they want to be their own boss. So they don't have to do work. But then they find out real quick when they become the boss, they do more work than anybody else. And it's non-stop. Non-stop. There ain't no 8 to 5 punch out. No, you're the boss. See? And so now you are working overtime. And you don't get paid for that overtime. In fact... You may get paid less than some of the other people because you promised them something, but the money didn't come in, so you paid them, but you stopped paying yourself because you didn't get enough to pay yourself. Mm. See? So sometimes you get shortchanged. My point is this, man. There's more suffering with more responsibility. There's more responsibility with promotion. If you ever want to be something, you have to take responsibility at the low level so that you can be prepared for the high level. <coughs> All right. Check this out. So we're in Exodus chapter 14. And he says, Is it not that we said, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would be been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. In other words, shut up. <laughs> they were grumbling, complaining. He said, Shut up. You're immature. You don't even see what's happening. You barely see it. You're so impatient. He just saved you from all that over there. And now you're sitting here and you're like, why isn't it working? You've only been on the, walking for a day. 
<laughs> you know? It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. You know? The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? <laughs> Why are you crying? Shut up. Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff. Go forward where, God? There's a mountain right here. And there's a sea right here. Go forward. You know, this is when people would really be... Check this out. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Now, he told Moses to do that. Hey, Moses, I want you to divide the sea. When you realize how powerful you are... Mm. See, it wasn't... Yes, God did the miracle, but Moses did it too. Mm -hmm. He didn't say, put your staff out and I'll part the sea. He said, you divide the sea. See, listen... Man, this is so good. Listen, you know scripture says, if you humble yourself before God, he'll exalt you. If you humble yourself before the Lord, he'll exalt you. When you realize, man, I'm going to humble myself. I did that. You know? Then God says, hey, you see how your actions make a difference? Here, let me take you over here now. Now that you realize your potential. See, every, the most powerful things in the world, the most powerful things in the world can do the most good and the most bad. Take fire, for instance. Fire is powerful. Like electricity is powerful. It can do a lot of good, and it can do a lot of bad. And depending on your experience with it, you'll determine whether or not it's good or bad. See, some people look at something and go, I hate electricity. I get shocked every time I touch it. I killed somebody I knew. See? But if your experience is, man, it keeps my lights on, it keeps my air conditioner going on. See what I'm saying? So people who does it make sense? It's all about your perspective. It's what you received. It's how you played the rules. That's how you played by the game. Do you do you respect and fear fire? Did you know you can respect and fear fire and also love fire at the same time? Keeps you warm. Keeps you warm. But if I don't if I don't have the proper fear of fire, I won't know how to treat it properly. Same thing with God. You should fear God, but you should love Him. See, but some people think, oh, they think way opposite. They think, well, if if I fear the Lord, then I can't possibly love Him. That's not true. Just don't test the Lord the wrong way. So the Scripture says, don't test the Lord, but then it says, hey, test the Lord in this. You know, it says that. Don't test the Lord, right? Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Okay, that's what the Scripture says in Deuteronomy, like you did in Meriba. And that's whenever they started wandering the wilderness for 40 years. Because they were, uh, and also serpents were sent and killed them all, right? Don't put the Lord your God to the test, right? But then he also says, test me in this. In Malachi, or Micah, Micah or Malachi? I don't remember. I mixed those two up, sorry. It's the last Old Testament book in the Bible, I believe. It's Malachi. <coughs> Malachi. Test me in this. Bring your tithes into my house and that I will not pour out a blessing. Test me. So what, it, what it's saying is, test me in this. It's like, it's like electricity. You can have a bad test. There's a proper way to test it and there's a bad way to test it. You see what I'm saying? Play by the rules. That's what God says. Play by the rules. So I tell my son, don't touch that or you're going to get a spanking. You know? Hey, don't go on the road. You're going to get run over. You know? If he tests me and goes on the road, 
I don't know if I believe God. I'm going to go test this out. Bam! Gets hit by a truck, you know? Dead. Right? Or, because why? I love him. I gave him the rules to don't test me. Don't test what I said. See? He gets run over. But, if I say, test me in this, hey, if you clean up your room, I'll get you some ice cream. See what I'm saying? Now you're testing me in a good way. It's all according to my promises. Or my promises are good. Is it, was a promise I gave you not so good for you if you don't obey? Was it good for you if you obey? We find out the promise. That's why it's so important to read your whole Bible. Find out what your promises are. Find out what's not so good to do. See what I'm saying? Make sense? All right, sorry. So, we're talking about um, respecting and fearing uh, something that's powerful. Okay? <clears throat> you know that there's a part of you you should fear, and there's a part of you that you should love. You know what I'm saying? Why? You're a powerful piece, person. You shouldn't be in tormenting fear always. Fear is what consumes you. Okay? So you have to be careful how you fear. Okay? If I have a overwhelming, controlling fear of fire, and every time I see it, I jump, you know what I'm saying? That's a bad thing. You know, I have an unhealthy fear. Make sense? A healthy fear just says, hey, play by the rules. Make sense? Okay. All right. So anyway, my point is this. Um, fire has great potential for good and great potential for bad. Same thing with a person. Okay? Um, you have great potential if you recognize your potential for evil, you're a powerful person there. You can create a lot of bad. Then you also recognize your potential for good. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. You know, why, why be, when you know that, why, you can't keep beating yourself up when you make a mistake. See, now what you're doing is you're just identifying with the evil. Well, that's not even who you are anymore. Mm -hmm. if, you keep, if you do wrong and you keep beating yourself up about it, now you're identifying yourself with that, and you're almost fearful about how badly you can do. Stop fearing about how badly you can do. That's not who you are anymore. You see? Stop yeah. blaming it. Yeah. Stop blaming it. Yeah. Start, start saying, this is who I really am. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm, I'm, and it's not just conquering. Check this out. We, we have a teaching called the four levels of, four stages of recovery slash four, covers, four uh, stages of discipleship. And y'all need to listen to that, so I don't want to go too much into that. It might overlap a little bit, but the, my point is this. <clears throat> it's a lot like a seed. Um, I'll just briefly go over it. It's plow, plant, produce, and pick. There's your four stages of, of recovery. You need to get rid of all the bad stuff. You need to plant the good stuff. You need to start producing, and then other people need to benefit from your produce. If you're not actually benefiting other people, then you're not fully recovered. See? If you're still here trying to get rid of stuff and you keep on going, oh, that weed just kept coming up. You know that you're going to be pulling weeds the whole time. <laughs> Plow one time, you got rid of it, and you start planting, and then you go through and weed. You see? It's Amen. a continual process. It's called a repentance in the heart. Okay? We're dealing with that, you know? It's a continual letting God prune you, letting God work on you, constantly removing things in your life. All right, check this out. All right, so we're going to go over here to Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 through 13. Y'all pick up that CD on the recovery deal, okay? Because there's so much there. <gasps> oh. Over here yawning. Are we going to sleep in that way? Galatians 3, chapter 1 through 13. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden 
And I'm sorry, let me read that again. You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. We're in Genesis chapter, th verse, chapter 3, verse... Galatians 3. Did I say Galatians? Galatians yes. Man, Genesis. Sorry. <laughs> totally messed that up. Oh, yeah. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. So sorry about that. We will read Galatians later, but not yet. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 13. I'm in verse uh, 4, okay? But the servant said... To the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired and to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave... Man, how many times do we hear that in our sin when we're tempted? You know, this will be good for you. It'll help, you get, it'll help you stay awake. Or whatever, you know what I'm saying? It'll help you work faster. You know what I mean? All kinds of stuff. Stupid stuff. It'll be healthy for you. Cures cancer. <laughs> Stupid stuff. All it is is just, anyway, it's dumb. Alright, check this out. <clears throat> so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God didn't remove himself from them. They couldn't be in his presence anymore. You hear that? Mm. Wow. That just, that just hit me. It's good stuff. God did not run away from their sin. They ran away from God. That's a pretty awesome... Sorry, that's awesome. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They hid. That was the first thing they did. They hid from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden, just like shadows hide from the light. You know, if I turn the light off, shadows here, turn the light on, you don't see any shadows until you look under something. There's a shadow underneath that chair. It's running and hiding from the light. Okay? Did the lights come on all the way? Anyway, make sense? They hid from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. See, before they weren't afraid of God. No reason to be afraid of God. No judgment. They hadn't done anything wrong. See? Nothing to be afraid of. <coughs> I ran a hit. Huh? Then they were in fig leaves all of a sudden. Yeah, right? But the Lord God called the man and said, Where are you? I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten the tree which I told you not to eat from? It's good. And the man said, The woman! All right, check this out. So let's go back here. First of all, let's, let's talk about these lies. Okay? The first lie, the first lie. The, the devil is the father of all lies. 
first thing he said. Did God actually say? First, first lie. First lie. Did God actually say? Did God really mean that? Hey, is that really? You think that's really wrong? Hey, it's not so bad. See what I'm saying? First lie. Did God actually say? What does this do? Did God actually say? It creates doubt and unbelief. Listen, I'm going to tell you a secret. Every sin you do is rooted in unbelief. It's rooted in unbelief. It's rooted in unbelief. Belief is to rest in the Word of God. Okay? Unbelief is to rest in your own thoughts and perceptions. So he's changing their perceptions. But with a doubt. Hey, did God really say, hey, let's change the thinking. See, they were thinking in line with God. Now he's getting them to think some different thoughts. Let me corrupt what God said. Did God really say? See, God, listen, this is what's so amazing and awful about lies. Lies sound like truth. They sound like truth. In fact, they can sound exactly like truth, but it's the heart behind it. Watch this. You won't die. You won't die. They didn't die. You won't die. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Hey, were their eyes open? <clears throat> and you will be like God. That's another lie. But it's also a twisted truth. Mm -hmm. Look, all these that you say right here, everything I list here, you're going to notice why the devil is so cunning. When he says something, it looks like the truth. In fact, what they experience next is everything he said. But it wasn't truth. L listen, you know what truth is? Truth is not what you experience. Truth is God's word. Truth is not what you experience. It is the word. Listen, what defines truth? You, what defines the truth? The truth is what sets you free. Listen. Listen. The truth isn't what you experience. It's not what you experience. It's not what you experience. I'm just telling you right now. The truth is not what you experience. This is why it takes faith. Look, I mean, uh, this is really deep what I'm telling you right now. So in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit... Thank you, Father. This clicks. Faith, truth is not what you experience. The reality, I knew, I knew the light wasn't all the way oh, on. Yeah. <clears throat> truth is not what you experience. What defines truth is if it makes you free. If it leads you into bondage, it doesn't matter whether it looks like truth or not. It's a lie. Mm -hmm. If it leads you into anything, if it leads you to any kind of unbelief, it's not the truth. Like, oh, well, maybe it's God's will that person didn't get healed. So they took some scripture out of context, twisted it around, and that's not the truth because that actually led to unbelief because now you don't believe God heals all the time. And that's actually contradictory to the word of God. See? <clears throat> What's the next lie? You'll be like God, right? You'll be like God. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Hey, you want to see how much they knew good and evil? That woman! Immediately, they passed judgment. They knew. Now, what was the problem? Their eyes were open, but they could not see. They were open to what? Everybody else's faults. You'll know. Your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. Knowing right and wrong. Knowing good and evil. Yeah, you'll know. You just won't be able to see yours. You'll be blind. You can see everybody else's problems. You can't see your own problems. Mm. It's powerful stuff. 
powerful stuff. You'll be blind. Yeah, you'll be you're, yeah, your eyes will be open, but you will be blind. And you'll be blind to the only thing that matters. This is powerful stuff, man. Golly, Jesus is awesome. This is the coolest six. Woo! <laughs> Judgment, man. Immediately, they start passing. That woman you put me with, she did it. Check this out. So it says they ran and hid behind the trees. And in case they got caught, they had little fig leaves to cover up their loins. <laughs> right? And then when they got found, they said, this woman, look, look at her. Don't look at me. <laughs> Could not. Listen. In their sin, in their shame, they could never expose themselves to God again because of fear. They feared God now. They were afraid of Him. They didn't want to be exposed. They didn't trust Him. There's a fear that leads to trust, and then there's a fear that leads to unbelief. They do not trust God anymore for their own good. Why? Because of the first lie. Did God really say? They started to doubt God. That's a good word. They began to doubt God. Did God really say? It's good stuff. Now, I want you to show, show you something really cool here. I'm going to go to, I don't have it written here, but Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to go to my book here because I didn't write this down. <clears throat> I'm fully convinced that if Adam had come clean and said, yes, I did it. I'm sorry. We have a totally different, totally, totally, totally different experience. <laughs> Jesus might have died right then. You know? I don't know, dude. But he wasn't humble. He was arrogant, prideful. See, we look at him like, oh, well, he got caught. He's being humble. Yeah, he was having to be humble. He didn't humble himself. Yeah. See, humbling yourself means that you die. You take the, you take the hit. Amen. See? That's what humbling yourself. That's walking in the Spirit. That's why Jesus says, pick up your cross. Mm. Follow me. Confess your sins one to another and you'll be healed. Praise the Lord. It's powerful stuff. You can't be healed if you don't confess your sin. Adam never confessed his sin in this whole little account. That's why he doomed all creation after him. All right, check this out. We are in Genesis chapter 3, right? Okay, Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Be like God. God said it. Look, that's crazy. See how see how he took the exact words that God said later, but somehow what he said is still a lie. Why? Because it doesn't bring you freedom. If he said it, check this out. When God says something, it's the truth just because he said it. The devil says it. Gotcha. If the devil says it, it's a lie just because he said it. You know? Then the Lord God said, Behold, a man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now let's he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. God didn't want Adam and Eve to live in sin forever. Because if they ate eaten from the tree of life, I'm just going to read this to you. I'm not going to have time anymore. We'll have to come back to this later. But in Romans it says, Don't you know that when you die, you get set free from sin? You have to let it run its course. And it dies, you get set free from sin. So it's actually mercy that we die. That's why Jesus died and rose again. Because you will die too one day, and you'll need to rise again. It's good stuff. So, there's mercy. We're going to start taking responsibility. 
and understanding and recognizing the lies. The lies do not bring you freedom. And if it's not from God, it's not the truth, even if it sounds really, really good. Cool. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Father, right now that we learn to take responsibility, that we will recognize your voice, Father. I thank you, Lord, as we spend time with you and intimacy with you, Father. We will learn to hear your voice and recognize it so when we hear the lies, we'll recognize the counterfeit right away. I thank you, Father, that um, you uh, give us the spiritual ears to hear your truth, to know what sets us free in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Lion ministry podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, please visit our website at www.boldasalignministries.com. Subscribe to our Facebook for updates on what God is doing in our ministries and our YouTube page for updated teachings hosted at the Barracks Discipleship and Recovery House. For weekly refreshing word, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. We pray strength and blessing for you and yours and for the courage to walk boldly for God. 